0: I'd have to say just never settling, right? Distancing yourself from the average. I think it's hard to be the best in anything in any given category, right? There's always going to be someone that's better than you. So not settling on where you're at and continuously improving, right? You know, effort doesn't really equal winning a lot of time. You can put in more effort than the guy next to you and still lose and, Time invested doesn't necessarily equal success either. So striving to be better on any given day, I think, is really how you get to excellence.
1: Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence.
2: Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. Today's guest is Rob Lovato. Rob works for Beckman Culture Biomedical Sales Company as an account manager. Rob's going to talk today about how you do anything is how you do everything and what he did differently to differentiate himself in college. Rob has worked his way up the ladder at quite a few companies and paid for college with his own money. His definition of excellence is the journey you're on. Please welcome Robert Lovato. Well, welcome, Rob, and thank you very much for coming to the show. How are you doing today? Doing awesome. Thanks for having me. Well, I appreciate you uh, joining me. Well, I wish I could be with you in person. Uh, I am coming out to Chicago, in about a week to uh, visit some of the people that you and I uh, used to work with. So I will tell them all that you said. Hi. That'd be awesome. Still stay in touch with a lot of college works folks. So that'd be great. Well, perfect. Well, let's get started, Rob. And I know you've moved on and you're big into the biomedical equipment sales and customer service. Uh, you, you've you been through a lot of different phases of life. You left college with $167,000 in your savings account that you earned through college. I know you wish you would have Gotten it an easier way, maybe won the lottery, but you worked your butt off. You were excellent in college. You've been excellent since college. Why don't you tell me what is your definition of excellence?
0: I'd have to say just never settling, right? Distancing yourself from the average. I think it's hard to be the best in anything, in any given category, right? There's always going to be someone that's better than you. So not settling on where you're at and continuously improving, right? You know, Effort doesn't really equal winning a lot of time. You can put in more effort than the guy next to you and still lose. And time invested doesn't necessarily equal success either. So striving to be better on any given day, I think, is really how you get to excellence.
2: So let's say guitar playing. I'm a horrible guitar player. Uh, I will never be the best. I would have had to have started many, many years ago to be the best. Uh, Effort, time, doesn't really matter. Let's say I practice, 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 put in a ton of time, and it's a year from now, and I'm still nowhere near the best. I'm still not that good. I'm probably below average. Am I excellent by your definition?
0: I don't think so, right? Because, sure, you can get better at something by investing time right it takes different things in my opinion to get to world class you have to do things that other people aren't doing every day right so going to in, the, in that situation going to a music teacher and investing time and so on and so forth that's what, that's what everybody else is doing right so you need to hone in and focus on not only what you specifically need to get better that's different than the person next to you and then also find something that the other people around you aren't doing.
2: And it's a journey. So I can be a horrible guitar player and I can journey and get to my 10,000 hours. Maybe I work full-time on guitar. I might be close to excellence if I do put in the time, I do put in the effort, but I never settle and I keep putting in the time and keep putting in the effort. So how does that definition of excellence Bring energy to your day. You were telling me one time uh, you've been in professional sales for a long time. You learned a lot at College Works about sales. You're off there working with these customers, buying these huge pieces of equipment, diagnostic medical equipment. How does um, the fact that you're really good at it, you're very highly compensated for it, how does your focus on the journey and focus on always trying to be better, redefine your excellence in your current position?
0: Sure, it's a good question. So just looking at last year, obviously a topsy-turvy year uh, with with COVID in the world.
2: Well, Rob, 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 you work in biomedical (laughs) equipment and selling diagnostic equipment. I think last year was good for your industry. Uh, It was.
0: It was really good. (laughs) So it was different, right? But I mean, still, there was, there was times that we won last year. There was times that we lost. I personally invested probably 500 hours into a single sale that was supposed to be our largest sale last year. And, and we still lost, right? We we thought we were doing things better than the average than the other companies competing against us. We, we thought we were in a position to win, um, but we still lost. And so I think excellence to go back to your, to the definition is, Learning from that, learning how to get better and applying those, you know, applying what we learned from losing
2: to win the next 10 times. So I've done a, quite a few of these recordings and many of them, uh, people's definition of excellence focuses on the journey and many of them, you know, I worked with a lot of entrepreneurs around the world and, and there's one kind of disease that they all have in common. Maybe it's a disease of excellent people. They never stop and say, Hey, good job. Good job, Rob pat on the back. It's always a horizon. You're never there. So whether it's the goal, the level of achievement, the expertise and excellence, you're never there. Maybe that's a good thing because it keeps driving people, but I keep hearing about the journey and I guess you divine it similarly. Let's go back to where you were before you had this definition before you tried and tried again. You're back in high high school before you figured out um, that there even was a biomedical equipment sales profession in your future, what was life like? How did you see yourself and how did you find your path?
0: Sure. Uh, life was really competitive. I was really fortunate to go to a great school, uh, live in a great community, um, you know, with uh, with what my parents were doing for a living. So high school and grade school were ultra competitive academically uh, went to a school of, of over 4,000 people in it, you know, over a 1,000 in every grade uh, for high school. And there were gifted people academically, the top 50 people every year go to Ivy League schools, and there were gifted people sports-wise. I played hockey with a couple guys that are active in the NHL right now, you know, through high school. So it was, I was always trying to compete with those people at the same time with a with a peer group like that, I was never anywhere close to the best in any single category. So I feel like that, that might have been, you know, obviously a precursor to driving, um, you know, and I, I think there were great coaches along the way that instilled a lot of things that I learned, crazy Russian hockey coaches screaming at you in a language that you can't even understand. But uh, yeah, I would say I probably learned a lot in those formative years that I apply today.
2: So how did you find your path? You you said you were never the best, uh, but you were excellent. Always trying, always enjoying the journey, always working on hockey, working on your academics. How did you find your path uh, to becoming so successful at such a young age? Was that in high school? Was that in college? Sure, I mean, just being in, I would say the top 5% of
0: of how competitive I was with my peers and, and in my community, I think helped me get there. I've always had it in my brain that I wanted to do something different and, and, and differentiate. So, so I really saw my path. Um, you know, I, I got, uh, very excited by going to the, uh, uh the U S Naval Academy. And so my sights were really set on that starting in about junior year in high school. So I thought, honestly, how, how cool would it be to fly fighter jets and, you know, get a, you know, get an incredible engineering education, you know, at at one of the best schools in the country, which also fit in with the plan because uh, financials were tight in the family, starting in about junior, senior year in high school, a lot of money was going um, elsewhere. So there wasn't going to be any money for college. Um, So, you know, at that point, I couldn't even afford a a state school, let alone trying to set my sights on an Ivy League school. So I, I thought that going to a military academy would be honestly one of my best bets. It would differentiate me. It would set me off on a, on a cool life path. And, uh, and there wouldn't be upfront costs, right? Paid for in, in years of service after. And how'd that work for you? Worked awesome in the beginning. Uh, got into the Naval Academy, got to attend for a while. Uh, unfortunately, with all the hockey I played in high school, I dislocated each shoulder about <laughs> 10 times. Uh, through through boot camp and so on and so forth, had to get some really nasty reconstructive shoulder surgeries. Matt, you know all all about that with your shoulders. Yes. And uh, and that path just got ripped away from me really quickly, and it was probably the hardest thing I had ever experienced in my life. You know, I basically had a call it like a nine year plan: uh, four years of of college at the Naval Academy and, and five years or more of of service afterwards even more. So at age 18, I had to pass that out for myself to take me to age 29, something like that. And then just like a light, you know, like a light going out, it was totally upended.
2: And so where'd you go next? So uh, I was able to
0: scrape together some money to go to community college for a semester. And Gosh, it, it was unlike anything I'd ever experienced. Right? i had always tried to elevate to the the top of of my peers and the top of people I competed with, and the competition level there just wasn't anywhere close to what I had experienced. And it was really, really hard, um, you know, to just to get out of bed in the morning and show up to class, knowing that I really wasn't getting a great education. So that was that was a tough. Few months, scraped together some money to uh, to go to my state school for a semester through uh, working through community college, um, and from there it, I kind of had a task of, hey, how how am I even how am I going to pay for these next seven semesters um, of of state school?
2: All right, you ended up at a uh, University of Illinois, right? You got it. Yep, in Champaign Urbana. That is correct. UIUC. Well, interesting. So now we go back to your definition of excellence. Uh, you can see you know, how your definition of excellence evolved over time, never settle. Um, you may not be the best. It's about the journey, effort and time doesn't matter. It's about distancing yourself from average, being the best and always trying to improve. So you were doing that in high school, you get into the Naval Academy, you blow out your shoulders, can't fight anymore, have to leave the Naval Academy, and how many people have had their um, dreams taken away? How many people have something go traumatically wrong in their life? I mean, it could be a loss of a family member that just derails their whole life, or derails their whole income stream, or their whole plan. They're going to go to college, and now they're not. Is just taken away. Many people uh, writhen it, and you know, I've had some tough times myself. I'm not saying that people shouldn't sit and, uh, and suffer a little bit. We do have another podcast on stress management, and you know some stress management is time management, some stress management is perspective, and some of it is you just have to learn to deal with tragedy. But many people have their path blocked, a derailment of their path, and your derailment Ended up making you stronger and kind of inform, uh, developed your your definition of excellence. You kind of incorporate. Doesn't matter if you get knocked down. Doesn't matter if everything's erased. You have to figure out a new path and get back on the journey of excellence, which is exactly what you did, right? Yeah, I, I can't.
0: I'd be lying if I said I did that immediately once I got home. Right? You know, God, I probably had three months of just being negative. I was not a fun person to be around. My girlfriend at the time broke up with me. I was just a, I was a negative mess um, because yeah, life had been derailed and I had no plan whatsoever on, on how I was going to get better. Um, You know, when you're the community college, I was going to my first day of class there, you know, I saw someone ripping something outside the classroom that certainly wasn't a cigarette and, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, where the heck am I? And mm-hmm. so that that's just hard to to get excited for on a daily basis. Um, they at that point, that was the biggest obstacle in my life I, I I've had bigger obstacles, you know since then, but I think i I respond to them a lot differently, knowing that that was that was the rock bottom point
2: once in a while, I watch interviews uh, for college works, and then I'll give feedback to whoever the interviewer was, and I was watching an interview the other day, and it was a young woman. And she had been in five foster homes, I believe. And it was COVID, so she's back home in her fifth foster home. Thank goodness the fifth one had worked out for her. And I was watching this thinking, this person is so articulate. This person has such a command. This person is um, really a wonderful candidate for working at the College Works program. And uh, you know, they ended up hiring her. Uh, and I just remember thinking, wow, no complaining no issues, just matter of fact, here's some things I've dealt with and I've made it through. And her resume was amazing. And, um, the, the interview, like I said, was great. You don't control the cards you're dealt. All you control is how you play the cards you're dealt. And, you know, complaining about losing the financial path to college or blowing out your shoulders. That's a big deal to some people. Some people, they've been in five foster homes and have had it a little tougher. Some people don't have any struggles. It doesn't matter. It just matters how you play the cards. So now that kind of defines you. You had these struggles. They don't really bother you so much anymore. I'm sure, you know, when you face another struggle, it's not such a big deal and you make it through, you know, uh, University of Illinois, as I said, you graduate not only paying for school but with a ton of money in your pocket. And now you're over at Beckman Coulter Uh, Why don't you tell us what you do in your profession now um, and what skills you need to be excellent at to do it? Where'd you get the idea that this industry even existed? And, you know, what don't college students know about the job you have now?
0: Yeah, sure. So I guess you would broadly define my role as medical sales, right? You know, from there, uh, specifically pretty complex biomedical testing. Uh, Essentially, you know what's going on in somebody's body, and and helping a doctor understand certain disease states. So, I guess specifically, it sell we sell knowledge to clinicians, physicians, ER doctors, nurses. Knowledge that you can't necessarily gain from a a patient's charts or by looking at them or by taking their temperature, so on and so forth. So. To give a a little flavor on what we sell, um, you know, one test is a a really early indicator for sepsis. So sepsis is your body's overwhelming response to an infection. Uh, A a lot of it is through open wounds, through hospital settings, so on and so forth. And it can really easily lead to death or serious health complications. So you know, our company has the the earliest marker on the market for that. uh, That's really geared towards folks that are Asymptomatic. So they don't show any signs whatsoever that their body could just totally go haywire an hour later. And so that knowledge in a doctor's hand, they're able to say, wait, 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 let's admit this person, let's let's run a cascade of tests, let's maybe hit them with a, a broad scope antibiotic. And there's a stat in the industry is that every hour that you delay treatment for that specific disease state, your risk of mortality, aka your risk of dying goes up by seven percent. So, just by having that knowledge in a doctor's hands a couple hours earlier can save tens of thousands of lives every single year. Um, but the portfolio extends tests for uh, less fatal things, you know, fertility, drug screening, anemia. Uh, the list goes on. And um, most recently, we launched a lot of uh, antibody testing for coronavirus and, and and also diagnostic testing for COVID.
2: So uh, I interact with a lot of college students. Uh, rarely did they really understand all the different jobs out there. So I know you were on the medical path for, for a moment. You want to go to medical school. You decide you didn't want to, you have that science background from college. You took some of those science classes. Do you need to have a science background to get into biomedical or pharmaceutical sales? Do you think, and what skills are you using daily uh, in your, in your role now? You certainly don't need a, a medical or a pre-med background
0: um, to be successful in the role. I think, I, I think you need to have the ability to dissect information, right? To to want to learn. There's, a, I, I sell over a hundred tests and over twenty-five uh, unique instruments, right? So every one of those tests is a product, and I need to be well versed in those tests, or at least well versed enough to to get a, a customer to a certain stage in their in their buying journey. A lot of it though, is being, being adaptable and being versatile. So my call points, you know, the, the, the customers, potential customers that I'm selling to range from somebody that has a a GED or equivalent, you know, high school education, all the way up to CEOs, COOs of large hospital networks and, and medical directors of, of large hospitals. And those conversations can be back to back, um, Yesterday I had a half hour conversation with the medical director of the largest, uh, uh, laboratory and ER in, in all of Chicago. And for the two hours before that, I was just chatting with, you know, some folks that just do the front end, um, loading for our instruments. So I think being adaptable and being able to mirror your, your potential, uh, customers and being able to, uh, learn from those
2: encounters I think is incredibly important back to your definition of excellence learn and apply right you got it
1: are you enjoying the show thus far We go through so many resources and links with this podcast, it's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of this show, you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com slash podcast. Now, back to the show.
2: So, uh, in a lot of times people... Look at the path towards pharmaceutical sales. They look at the path towards medical sales. They don't quite understand how they get there. So, you, you know, some people have a medical background. You actually have a pre med background. Some don't. But you say you have to be adaptable. You have to learn to mirror your clients. You have to learn. How were you able to show your future employers when you were in the application process those skills? Sure. So,
0: a lot of what I did through college, through through CWP was uh, I think I measured it at some point. I had uh, interviewed over 2,500 people you know, over the course of a few years at, at College Works, and I had uh, done sales proposals or estimates for thousands of, of homeowners. And so the, the repetitions is unlike, at least in my opinion, unlike anything else that a college student can go do or likely, likely does. And so having all those reps and, you know, learning, learning various things about how to connect with, you know, the the doctors and the lawyers and the upper middle class of, of the community that you're selling to through CWP. I think a lot of those skills that I I honed were just surely just simply because I was, had so many hours invested in, in developing those skills.
2: And again, uh, back to your definition of excellence, you don't get to 10,000 hours of experience in one year, and you have to get some of these experiences before you can become excellent at whatever you do. So you have got some experience in college, you headed off, got some more experience, you got into your new role. Has where you're at now and the success you you have now at such an early age surprised you? And uh, well, first answer that question. Has it surprised you?
0: You know, I think it has surprised me, Um, especially because when I started in college, you know, I I got there for my first semester. I figured out a way to scrape together, you know, the the seven or eight thousand that I needed for that first semester. And I got to school and, you know, I was I was thinking, honestly, work first. I was like, how am I going to be able to make enough money? You know, whether it's, you know, working at the cafeteria or waiting tables, you know, doing something. To be able to afford school the the following year, and so I didn't have my my mindset on really developing any tangible skills through my through what I was doing for work. I just needed to make the the three thousand bucks to to get through some living expenses for the semester, and figure out some job that would let me work a ton of hours over the course of a of a summer to be able to afford school the next year. Um, there. I did my research and there wasn't anything that would give me enough hours or enough pay to afford school the next year. So, so I was looking at it transactionally, like, how can I make money so that I can gain all my skills through school? And a few of my fraternity brothers had um, done college works and a, a few had interviewed and so on and so forth. And some of my friends, and I discovered that as, okay, this could potentially be something that I could build some skills um, and not necessarily make my formal college education the only
2: education that I was getting. So, college works was the uh, the cav- uh, the tool you used, the caveat to push you over the edge of excellence. When you were doing college works, uh, and you were doing it to get some experience and pay for school, you said some of your fraternity brothers had done it. What did they think about it?
0: One of them, while I was in the interview process, um, told me not to. And it's funny that he told me not to because uh, he had already accepted an intern role at College Works. Right. So the reason why he told me not to was I was pledging my fraternity that semester. So that was going to be, they marketed it as 20 hours a week. It's, you know, really probably 30 or 40 or 50 some weeks. And so he just looked at me and said, listen, I've done that. There is no way. Like, literally, I can't think of a way that's possible where you'd be able to take all the credits that you're taking, go work those hours at College Works in the spring and, you know, commute home to do some estimates on the weekend and, and all that and and pledge this fraternity all at once. It, it's just not possible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I there had been a couple of guys that had been successful in the internship, wanted given it the good old college try and, you know, went for a couple of weeks and just said, yeah, it's not for me. And what's funny is that the guy that told me not to do the internship, I ended up finishing uh, higher and doing better than, than he did, even though he didn't have that extra 30 hours a week on his plate.
2: I find that sometimes the busiest people do the best. And personally, if I don't have a lot on my plate, I don't achieve as well as if I do have a lot on my plate.
0: Wholeheartedly agree. It's a heck of a lot easier to get two hours of work done when you only have a half hour to do it than it is to get two hours of work done when you've got the whole afternoon or the whole day, right? Sometimes when you force yourself to, to, to get those things accomplished, it's, it's amazing what you can do.
2: I bet on your journey towards excellence, you've figured out a way to uh, get things done when you have the whole afternoon many times.
0: <laughs> you got it.
2: So uh, you, uh, you're in college, you're paying your own way, you're working a couple jobs, you're pledging a fraternity, Quite a few sacrifices there to get over the edge of excellence. Quite a few sacrifices to get on that nine-year path, back on that nine-year path that you had when you were 18. What sacrifices did you make that you never regret and that you would encourage your young self to make again?
0: As far as sacrifices, I I I like to, I mean, I'm sure I thought I was sacrificing things in the moment as I look back on it years later, it doesn't really seem like it. So sure. When some of my buddies maybe started partying at, you know, five o'clock or six o'clock, maybe I joined them at seven or eight at night. Um, I I would say probably one of the sacrifices I made was maybe over the weekends. And it's funny at first it, it hurt a little bit. So I thought, Oh my God, I'm missing out on all these things, right? I'm missing out on tailgating and, and all this. And realistically, I would sometimes have already met with two homeowners and done two sales proposals and added $5,000 to the branch that I was growing. My buddies hadn't even woken up yet right on a Saturday, on a Saturday morning. And then I would still make it to the same party that, that they were at, um, you know, towards the afternoon. So sure, it maybe seemed like a sacrifice in the moment or you know, looking at social media and saying, oh, this person's five second snippet of their life is amazing, why am I missing out? Realistically, I was, I was working on developing myself and bettering myself, so I, I don't really think that it was a, a sacrifice looking back on.
2: Yeah, they were missing out, right? I had the same experience. I, I, I had no money. I had to come home for lunch, I had no food. My only food was noodles. And man, I could make noodles in a lot of ways. I could fry them. I could boil them. I could put butter on them. Yep, there were three ways I could make my noodles. And I'd come home every day and the Sigma Chi guys across the street and I kid you not, are throwing their futon mattresses over the fence because they had an accident in the bed that night and they're heckling me. Stewie, what are you doing working so hard? Stewie, come out with us. Same thing, I would just go, work a little bit longer, make a little bit more money, develop a few more skills. And then I'd hook up with them later. And sometimes they wouldn't even know I hadn't been there. But a couple of years later, they're parking my car. Literally, literally The, the one that heckled me the most was parking my car. So I don't look at it as a sacrifice either. I look at what they did as a sacrifice. They, they spent too much time having fun. They sacrificed the opportunity while they were in college. So I guess you and I agree on that. Um, is there any one thing that you look back and you say, Wow, if I would have known this then? Uh or wow, I wish I could go back in time and tell myself this. Is there any one thing you can think of?
0: Yeah, I, I would have encouraged myself to to n- not say no to opportunities, right? So I don't think that I ever said no to opportunities, but I struggled with it because I'm like, how am I gonna fit this all in my day? You know, I, I think back to my, uh, my senior year of college and I was taken, um, I'd gotten into this uh, accelerated program. So I started off pre-med in college, figured out, all right, I'm not going to be a doctor. So let's go get some tangible skills that I thought would apply better towards my sales career in the future. And so I applied to this program where uh, 5,000 business students apply, 5,000 engineers, something like that. They take the, the top 25 of each. And they throw them together in this couple year long curriculum. And so, you know, I got into that program. My GPA didn't qualify. I think I was a year too young and all that. I I had done some things that I like to think to separate myself, though. So I got this dream shot. And so I was in this this program that required a a good amount of hours, um, well spent. I mean, we were getting taught by visiting PhDs from Harvard and Yale and MIT and just world class. Um, professors, so, so that senior year, we were part of a capstone project. So I was working with Motorola to help um, develop, uh, you know, some user friendly things for a new radio they were rolling out as a part of my project. That was a ton of hours every week. I was a district manager for College Works at that point, taking 18 credits. Uh, I was also in this small business incubator program where there were some people in the community that were trying to start businesses they had no business skills. So they had the skills. So the person I was paired with was trying to start a a gymnastics gym. And uh, I basically worked with contractors and helped develop out his business plan and get it to that point. Uh, that same year I met my, my future wife that I got married to last year. Um, and it was on paper that just doesn't make sense. The studying on top of that. Right. And so, I really wish I could have gone back and told myself, no, don't like firmly do not say no to those opportunities. Cause I think they all developed me for the better and taught me so many layers of time management and being versatile and, you know, just experiencing so many things in school.
2: Well, you kind of double spoke there. First you said, hey, I skipped out on some of the tailgates. I skipped out on going to the party an hour early. I skipped out on sleeping in till noon. And then you said, um, I never want to say no. So I'm I'm going to ask you this. Is it that you would go back and say, evaluate the opportunities and take all the opportunities that will benefit your future?
0: It's a good way to put it. You know, to be clear, I never missed a party that I wanted to miss, right? I never missed an event that I wanted to, to miss, um, I think I made choices where I said, eh, yeah, I, I don't think this, this is necessarily going to be the most fun thing in the world. I'd rather go invest some time in myself. So, you know, evaluating those choices and, and making decisions, I look back on them. I, I don't think I missed out on, on anything. And, you know, I, you know, still stay in very close touch with a lot of college works folks with folks from my old, uh, uh, business and, and engineering programs as well. So now I, I don't think I missed out on anything.
2: So maybe you and I didn't miss out on the things that made us excellent and we didn't miss out on the things that helped our socialize. So I was the same. You know, I, I took two majors. I took the hard classes. I didn't have another job while I was in school, but I did have a sport. I did do college works. Um, I never missed a Friday or Saturday night the entire time I was in college. That's one of my claims to fame. Every Friday and Saturday night, I was out having a great time, but I woke up at eight o'clock sometimes to study. I, you know, did tell some friends, no, I'm not coming out right now. I've got something else to do. It's that balance definition. Do what you have to do now so you can do what you want to do later. You have an interesting way of looking at it, Rob. I got to say, you uh, You, you didn't say no to anything, but you did say no to a lot of things. The things that you didn't say no to were so awesome. You forgot what you did say no to. And there's all these college kids. My, you know, my son goes to Tulane and I was worried. I mean, there's a festival and a party every day at Tulane. And I hope he can decide which ones he has to go to and which ones he can't go to because there's other things that he's saying yes to. So he's thinking about his future self. One of my friends said to me one time, uh, we were, uh, We we weren't working, I'll say that. He says, future Ryan's going to be very upset at current Ryan.
1: (laughs) And I said, what do
2: you mean? He said, future Ryan's not going to like the decisions current Ryan is making. And that was on a beach in Costa Rica or somewhere like that. Uh, But current Ryan had made a lot of good decisions to get him on that beach that day. You made a lot of decisions to say no to sleeping in and, and wetting the bed. And a lot of decisions to say yes to I'm going to go out and take on these challenges, uh, do things that other people say I can't do, do, do things people say are impossible and beat them and prove them wrong. So congratulations.
0: Well, let's not forget, I think a lot of those things that I said no to, I chose to do them bigger and better, right, in college. So sure, maybe I said no to a couple, couple parties that I didn't really think were going to be that much fun any, anymore invested my time in something like college works where, you know, you, you can win a top performer trip, you know, Matt, you and I went to Vegas for a couple of nights and, and had an absolute blast. The, the, the first time I went to Vegas with college works, it was the first three days of that combined um, engineering and, and business program that I told you about. And so I, I had told all my buddies in this program thinking they would narc on me. Um, you know, oh, we're going to Vegas. I want this really cool thing. They're going to, you know, treat me for being a top performer. And, and a couple of them let it slip to the professor during roll call, and I wasn't there. Now, I told him that I had this mandatory business trip, and I had to go on this, and it was how I paid for school, and so on and so forth. So uh, needless to say, when I got back to school, uh, and, he, uh, and he did roll call, all he said was, you know, he called my name and said, you know, where, where were you? Said, so, oh, I was out west. You know, I, I sent you an email. <laughs> you didn't respond to it. He said, I'll oh, see me after class. You know, so I ended up talking to him and, you know, he said, so where were you? I was like, oh, out west. He said, what, what, what part? I was like, ah, Nevada. <laughs> he said, oh, we're in Nevada. I'm like, oh, you know, Las Vegas. <laughs> so he's punking me. And, you know, I, and so I look back and he goes, Rob, I, I, I know you won, you know, that, that trip. I was just giving you a really hard time walking to class. And so I, I didn't think that I was making those sacrifices because I knew there were, there were bigger, more fun things to do and, you know, more ways that you could spend your time than, you know, just going to your, your lame old party on a Thursday night.
2: Well, I, I had a trip to uh, some Island in Spain. What was it called? Was it not Marbella? Uh, some Island in Spain at Mallorca. I think that's what it was. Mallorca trip with my family we're all going to Mallorca. And instead I did this stupid painting internship. And I was so pissed because they had such a good time for two weeks. My mom's from England. So some of the English family came They're on this Island in Spain that I made a promise to myself that every year for the rest of my life, I would go to Europe. And that was my, my deal. I said, okay, if I'm missing this for this dumb internship every year, I'm going to go to Europe. And it's probably not been every year, but there's been a few years I've been twice. So it's probably averaged in the last 30 years of my life. I've gone to Europe more than 30 times. Most of them paid for by some organization I was running or some company that wanted me to do a strategic plan or whatever the reason was. Every time, almost 80%, 90% of the times I'm with my wife, sometimes with my kids. And I made up for it because I missed out. I didn't go with my brother and my parents. Thank goodness, because I took a job that changed my life. I didn't know what entrepreneurship was. I was going to be a lawyer. Thank goodness I did the entrepreneurship internship that taught me about business, because that was probably the best sacrifice I ever made. So I think you and I are on the same page here. Um, I, I, I look back at all the points you've made today. There's so many that are just great for college students. Anything you want to drive home one last time for people in their twenties that are either have always been on the path to excellence or haven't quite gotten off it yet that want your job one day and want to have the biomed career and the number one biomed company making all the money, moving up the ladder. Yeah. A couple, a couple mantras
0: I live by the first one. Um, how you do anything is how you do everything. And, uh, I learned that the really, really hard way, um, is my first day at, uh, at the uh, the Naval Academy, and I had the dumb idea of not shaving my peach fuzz, my 18 year old peach fuzz at the time. And man, I uh, I took the, <laughs> the biggest screaming I've ever had in my life. I I ticked off the wrong uh, <laughs> the wrong person. And so, you know, I was tasked with you know get clean shaven and, and dressed in you know full whites, um, you know, in three minutes, right. And I had never shaved with a straight edge razor in my life, uh, let alone shaved in three minutes without hot water and shaving cream. Right. So I sliced my jaw so bad. Uh, I got eight stitches on it. And so blood's just pouring out, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, tr- <laughs> so i managed to get my clothes on that I drop a blood on and I'm, I'm holding this and, and the guy, you know, he asked me to take my hand off and the blood just gushed, Matt, you would have passed out. <laughs> um, and, uh, and that's when I really learned he was trying to drive a point, right? It's like, if you can't have the two minutes to shave your face in the morning, how the heck are you going to lead people in the future and highly stressful or combat situations? And so I try to live my life by that. Uh, you know, for example, I have a coworker that, um, he's called a customer by the wrong name a couple times and it just drives me bat crazy, right? Because if, if you can't do those little things to show that you care about people or, you know, to get their name right or to show up on time early to uh, do all these things that just don't require a lot of talent or effort, then how are you going to convince somebody that, that they should invest money in you if you're an entrepreneur, or in my situation, how can you convince someone to spend millions of dollars of their money over, over several years if you can't get those little things right? So I think people pick up on that, they notice it, and they, they judge your character based on how you do a lot of those little things.
2: As you're teetering on the edge of excellence, how you do anything is how you do everything. Well, thank you very much, Rob Lovato, for joining us on the podcast. We really appreciate your insight and you sharing your successes from all these various different struggles. Thanks for having me. I appreciate
1: it. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com slash podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com slash podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.